give me a second. Uh, how long could I have been asleep for? Two weeks? Okay, listen to me. I need some explosions. I need pyro and I need... Okay, when I said get me a giraffe, I meant a real giraffe. Go to the zoo and... What the hell is a Glock Anderson and where can I buy it? What do you mean it's not in the budget? Hi, I'd like to take out a loan. Oh, uh, you want a name? Uh, Adam Blompier. I I'm sure he's rich, right? Hi, I'm Adam from WhatCulture.com and this is... Wrong script! Hello, and welcome to the WrestleTalk News! I'm Sam! Lay a finger on the giraffe and I will kick your leg out of your leg and maim you! Enough is enough! It's time for a change! Officers, that is not a giraffe! It's just a very tall zebra! Ah! Well, that didn't work at all. Wait, you were recording the whole thing? What do you mean you were recording the whole- Ladies, gentlemen, and ladies, gentlemen, I'm back! Welcome to this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast! My name is Connor, and you're here to hear me pitch wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane! I've somehow mixed up the intro since my two-week hiatus! Whoa! <laughs> But what better way to come back than with the joy and announcement in the beauty of being away for two weeks than the announcement of the Owen Hart Tournament. A tournament that at the time of this recording has no set format, no set brackets or something to assume other than that it is just the legacy being once again, you know, shown across the world. I'm losing my own trade of thought. You know, spreading and sharing the legacy of the late, great Owen Hart. It's a beautiful time to be a wrestling fan. It's a beautiful time to be back. And it's a beautiful time to once again dip my toes into some fantasy booking. My first time ever booking a tournament because you love a good tournament. And I, I just want to say very quickly, it's very sweet that, you know, after everything that happened with the death of Owen Hart and all the whole, like, chaos around it, I, I can't speak on this as much as various other people who are more experts among the topic. But it, it's just really nice to see, you know, the whole situation with the Owen Hart Foundation now collaborating with AEW. And this whole thing about, you know, spreading more positivity about this. It's, it's great. It's fantastic. It's lovely to see. And it's kind of almost like a near universally good thing. So, Tony Khan, can you... Thank you for being so good with this. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for somehow you brought back CM Punk. You brought back Brian Danielson. Well, you didn't bring back Brian Danielson, but you brought him into AEW. But still, and you brought in the Owen Hart tournament. So uh, thank you, Tony Khan. As a person who has only recently got into watching a bunch of like Owen Hart stuff, I watched an incredible Owen Hart versus Jushin Funder Liger match. Just like scrolling through YouTube. It's incredible. Go watch them work together. They're really good. 
And, you know, going through his classic matches, Owen Hart versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10, his incredible SummerSlam cage match. Just, it's just, oh, it's, it's lovely. Because he, he's a wrestler who I look at and I think he is ahead of his time. The technical prowess, you can argue some of his little, like, character stuff. I, I have the whole, like, little promo that he had when he won, like, multiple Slammies memorized, where he's like, In your face, Bulldog! You might have won two titles, but you ain't got free Slammies! <laughs> he's just, he has such little brother energy, and I love Owen for that, because I'm a little brother. I'm a little brother as well. Uh, like, you know how people like prefer either Owen Hart or Bret Hart? I, I feel like because I'm the younger brother, I, I kind of understand Owen more and I prefer Owen. And I feel like that's kind of also bled into like the way I watch wrestling between the two. It's like, well, but yeah, but Owen's the little brother. So I have to root for him. He, of course he's a douche. He, he's the little brother. That's kind of how my head goes. But anyways, I'm going majorly off topic because we are booking the Owen Hart tournament. And this is your first time listening to this podcast. I like to do a little thing on the YouTube or on the podcast app of your choice where I put the timestamps in the description. So if you want to skip, you know, this little random ramble, if you've got this far, feel free to skip. You've got certain timestamps that can bring you straight to the booking itself. Unless you don't want to go through any of that cheeky ramble. And whilst you're there, and whilst you're looking around your podcasts or your YouTube page, maybe going through your recommended, trust me, I'm guilty of that, consider subscribing to the podcast. It helps me out a ton. I'm just a one-man show here, I guess. Hopefully, maybe hoping to bring on some guests in the future. Who knows? You never know. But yeah, aside from that, I believe that it's time then we start talking about how on earth we are actually going to book the Owen Hart tournament. So, let's talk about this beautiful new introduction, this new legacy building thing that is the Owen Hart tournament. The Owen in about four minutes. Let's get into this. So, at the time of this recording, we don't really know much about the Owen Hart tournament. The information that we've mostly got is through social media, basically inferring that the tournament exists and it's in, in collaboration with the Owen Hart Foundation. The format of the tournament and the contestants inside the tournament are still to be announced. So, this brings up a lot of questions on how this could work on AEW television. Would it be similar to the AEW Eliminator tournament? Could we see something like the G1, but in a American weekly television format? Could we see something akin to the Band for Glory series? Or akin to the Cruiserweight Classic? Right now, there's a lot of mysteries. Just don't, don't let it be the Queen's Crown. Please don't let it be like the Queen's Crown. We need better stuff than the Queen's Crown. I'm sorry. They're great wrestlers, but we need more time for the women. Now, anyways... Ultimately, the question goes down to what is the purpose of this tournament? I'm not talking about it just as like showing the legacy of Owen Hart. I'm talking about the value it can give to other performers. It's great to have a tournament because it ultimately adds stakes to every single match. But if it doesn't, you know, create value for the people involved, maybe even raise the profile of the individuals. What good is the tournament really? 
So, my ultimate thought about what the Owen Hart tournament could be is more of a expansion on the already stacked AEW roster. Not only presented to provide more television time, but as a method to maybe bring up some of your more younger up-and-coming stars who don't quite, for a lack of a better term, go through the glass ceiling that AEW has created with its incredibly stacked roster. There's a bunch of young talent that have no huge significant roles on the show. Perhaps the Owen Hart tournament, through some hook or by crook, can help establish these younger, more established talent, as is the intention of shows like Elevation and AEW Dark, to better create stars out of their respected television product. What I'm inferring is that the AEW's Owen Hart tournament isn't a tournament to crown the best of the best, it's to crown the future best. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. The best that can ultimately be the king of hearts in all of professional wrestling. So, the Owen to me, and when thinking about what its potential could be in AEW, could be your natural progression series. If you don't watch Progress Wrestling, basically your up-and-coming talent tournament that gives them an opportunity at whatever belt of their choosing, so to speak. So for me, the Owen is that. It is an opportunity to showcase your wrestlers' wrestlers, your young uprising talent who haven't quite found their footing in AEW, but are waiting for any given opportunity. And that's kind of what I think the Owen Hart tournament will be, and how I potentially plan to book it going forward. It was quite rambly, but you have to remember we didn't have much information to go on at this point. Other than that the tournament exists, it's happening, and it's not going to be happening until probably after full gear. More likely because uh, they're doing the full gear Illuminator tournament, two tournaments at once. It's a bit weird, isn't it? So with that in mind, talking about that, we may as well get onto the overall pitch, the overall process of all these ideas. We've already went into detail about it. We need we need to you know expand on this. The individuals, maybe some key players. So with that, I think it's time that we go to a little old segment called the tagline. And for those of you who are new to this podcast, the tagline is my summary of what I plan to do for my fantasy booking of the week. Think of it like your little summaries that you see on Netflix. Maybe when you're tuning into Crunchyroll. Or maybe when you're tuning into Escape from the Undertaker on Netflix, which, by the way, is a fun time, okay? It's stupid, goofy bollocks that everybody should watch. And also tune in for the Kofi Kings and stuff. That stuff is excellent. It, it almost made me tear up a bit. But aside from that, it's about time that we get to the tagline. So, ladies and gentlemen... Fictional friends, please implore me, implore me to go into my editing software and cue the music, future me! Ok, 
Okay, so we've already talked about the idea of the tournament being to establish younger talent. You know, really get them to be recognized in this big grand scope of AEW that kind of feels like it's starting to get very top heavy. You see some of the big stars at the top of the card, guys like Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, Hangman Page, John Moxley, Lance Archer, Pac, Orange Cassidy. There's a lot of people on top and a lot of incredibly young guys who are kind of at the bottom, but we don't know really for how long because there's such a huge influx of talent on the roster. So, for me, the tagline for this Owen Hart tournament is quite simple. So let me just read it as such. In tribute to a fallen legend, a tournament is established to form and shape new stars in mind, body, and heart. You see what I did there? <laughs> That, that's it. It's a very short and simple stuff. It's it's pretty much just to establish more of these younger talent on, you know, the worldwide stage of AEW. Because whilst there is a bunch of young talent, the majority of the time on weekly television, they're featured on AEW Dark and Elevation. They're never featured on AEW Dynamite or Rampage, which are the big stages of AEW. You look at a guy like Dante Martin, for example, and he got over almost in an instant because he was wrestling Kenny Omega in the introductory match. What? And now look what he's doing now. He's having a match with Alistair Black. Give some of these younger guys, whether it be 15 minutes in a like weekly tournament to show the young prospects of AEW, really showcase it. Because whilst AEW has, you know, showcased some of these people who are like the four pillars, your jungle boys, your Sammy Guevara's, MJF and Darby Allen, there's still a heap of younger talent who isn't really as exposed as these four, who could have good, if not great matches, if given the same time and exposure. So I think that is ultimately the goal of the Owen Hart tournament. It's to show that all these like younger guys who are, you know, kind of heading into their early 30s, potentially, are just as good, if not better. If you want, you can call it your diamonds in the rough of, of this tournament. I think that would be really cool. But we'll get on to the overall name of this tournament when we get to the booking. But that's kind of the overall look that I'm assuming here. Is this tournament to elevate these young talents up to the level of potentially, at the very least, maybe your TNT title picture. And maybe, down the line, your AEW world title contenders. Because we've seen it. AEW has a stacked roster. But with the length of reigns that they have some of their talent go through. Take the Young Bucks, for example. There was a point where it felt like the Young Bucks had no challenges. And so having little tournaments like this, I feel, can only really help strengthen the roster. Because, as a bunch of sayings go, you're only as great as your weakest link. And if your weakest link is your younger talent, well, it's time to expose them to a wider audience and to kind of express, you know, how great your roster is from your well-known talent even to your unknown hidden gems. Which I hope the Owen Hart tournament can show. But don't take my word for it. Take the booking. So, without further ado, let's book the Owen Hart tournament. Get ready, people. You're in for a ride. <laughs>
do we begin? So our story begins on the New Year's Dash edition of AEW Dynamite, where Tony Schiavone announces on AEW television about halfway through the show that the inaugural Owen Hart tournament, now dubbed the King of Hearts tournament by the rights Tony Khan, will be in session next week. Tony explains that the tournament is now a yearly 16-man tournament designed to showcase the youngest and underappreciated stars in AEW. For the next month of AEW programming and the build to AEW Revolution, tournament matches will occur on Rampage and Dynamite in order to crown their inaugural trophy winner. So, let me give you the basic roundup of this format that we have just announced. It is a 16-man tournament, A block and B block, each having eight participants. Matches all the way up to the semi-finals and finals will have a 15-minute time limit. If, un if you're unable to win within the 15 minutes, neither competitor advances Allah, your cruiserweight classic. Now, the other kicker in this is that your semi-finals and finals have a 30-minute time limit where you can just kind of go nuts. It is a fast-paced, breakneck, go-for-broke tournament. With much where Tony Schiavone finally emphasizes that this is a tournament dedicated to the younger talent of the roster. You're 30 and under. More on that later, but for now, we get additional stakes in the tournament. We get certain members announced who I will specify later, with the winner of the tournament receiving a title shot of their choosing against any champion that they choose. They will receive a briefcase, a la money in the bank, and they can cash in anytime, anywhere. That is the stakes of the Owen Hart tournament. Advance to the finals, win, and you receive a contract to face any champion of your choosing. And this tournament culminates at Revolution. So, with that in mind, we may as well get to my favorite part that I've been waiting to say. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a fan of anime, you might know what's coming. It's time for a tournament! So these are the brackets. In block A, we have Daniel Garcia, Griff Garrison, Wheeler Yuta, Mark Quinn, Alan Five Angels, Fuego del Sol, Nick Conorato, and Dante Martin in that order. In block B, we have in their match, Brian Pillman Jr., Austin Gunn, Hook, yes, Hook, this ain't a meme. <laughs> Lee Johnson, Lee Moriarty, Isaiah Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, and 10. That is our inaugural Owen Hart Memorial Tournament brackets. It is a weird and wild, wild tournament. Jesus, by God, God damn. I'm gonna turn off these effects now. Let's go. Owen, oh, for your information, that, that that's gonna be continuing. I'm, uh, I love this. <laughs> Anyways, with the brackets announced, we get into our very first contest on AEW Dynamite. In the very first match, it is Daniel Garcia 
versus Griff Garrison. Yes, the Daniel Garcia who just had the crazy flipping week of his life taking on Minoru Suzuki and CM Punk in the same week. B what? This man is my age. He shouldn't be doing this, but he's doing it. So yeah, he's doing that. He's accompanied by 2.0 and likewise Griff Garrison is accompanied by fellow tournament competitor Brian Pillman Jr. So yes, take that with what you will. They have a very competitive match in which we really do highlight that every five minutes Justin Roberts is five minutes gone, ten minutes re remaining. Ten minutes gone by, five minutes remaining. All that stuff to really highlight the desperation. And you know, for matches like this with Griff Garrison, you show more aggression in him to really highlight his potential as more than just a tag team wrestler because, uh, let's be honest, uh, Brian Pillman, since the match with MJF, has been getting a lot more shine than Griff. So, this all culminates to points where 2.0 is able to basically have a little bit of extra distraction in there to really try and stop Griff Garrison. We get a little bit of commentary praising how, despite all the failures that 2.0 and Daniel Garcia have, them as a unit is equal... It could be one of the biggest threats in this tournament. You look at the guys who they've already fought in the past. John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Darby Allen, CM Punk. They have fought legitimate main eventers in this tournament. Aside from, say, 10 and Powerhouse Hobbs, they have had some of the biggest high-profile matches in a consistent basis. So this all culminates into Daniel Garcia within the final five minutes of the match, locking in his... Sharpshooter, quite appropriate considering it's the Owen Hart tournament. To pick up the win, Daniel Garcia advances, but before he can advance, we get a little confrontation as 2.0 come in to assault Griff Garrison. Brian Pillman tries to go in to try and help him whatever way he can. 2.0 holds him back as Daniel Garcia yanks back the sharpshooter, ordering Jeff Parker to grab a kendo stick to tie it between his legs to give even more punishment to Griff Garrison. To a point where Griff Garrison is stretched out of the building. Brian Pillman Jr. following in pursuit as, as he wants to go out and help his friend Griff Garrison. He's got another match tonight He because he's in the B block. He's got a match against, you guys know him, you guys love him, it's Austin Gunn. <laughs> so that is where we lead to next. We have now a clear, cool little potential rivalry in the future. Will it happen? Will it not? We'll find out as the bracket progresses. Fun, right? Whilst Brian Pillman Jr. attempts to get to the, you know, hospital thing before he's taken to local medical facility and then has to go back for his big match, we get a promo with Daniel Garcia and 2.0 where 2.0 quickly say, you know, it's about time, isn't it? It's about time we got some recognition here. <laughs> yeah, Moxley, Kingston, Punk, they may have beaten us. For the greatest athletes never get better through success, they get better through defeat. And while these punks were busy swimming with the fishes, we were busy taking on lions, sharks, any dangerous animal in there and fighting for our lives. Garcia grabs the microphone 
And because of that, we're no longer rookies anymore. We're the rockets of this company. Because when I win the King of Hearts tournament, all the struggle will be over. Because when I make it to the finals at Revolution, enough will be enough. And it'll be time for a change. Yeah, that's our son. <laughs> and basically on the other side of the bracket, we have our next match. It is Lee Johnson versus Hook. Yes, it is not a meme. It is indeed happening. This is happening on the same night of Dynamite. Where, yes, we are finally getting the debut of Hook. All the mystery finally happening. Because let's not forget, he basically beat up Sting for like four minutes at Revolution last year. I have not forgotten that. And so, this is basically a story that was kind of happening, you know, post-Full Gear last year. But was kind of swept under the rug because uh, Sting came here. But it was the story of Hook, you know, starting out as a member of the Nightmare family. Then going to Team Taz. You know, it's a battle of Nightmare Family, Team Taz. The philosophies that were unfolding. A person who crucially left the Nightmare Family in Hook. Taking on a loyal Nightmare Family member in Lee Johnson. This match is purely designed. I'll be honest with you. This match is purely designed to get Hook over. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't see Lee Johnson winning this match. This is all done to just highlight all the little things that we've seen of Hook up to this point. The cool little judo throws he's done. The, like, assaults and... The assaults and viciousness that Taz has been highlighting about Hook. Uh, the fact that he can do, like, a lot of cool suplexes like his father. I think that would be a very cool little showcase for Hook to highlight him in this tournament. And basically, this continues. We get multiple showcases of this with Lee Johnson hitting a very, very fast and swift comeback. Something, you know, similar to the Ben Carter-Lee Johnson match, which is kind of forgotten about now. And this all culminates in what feels like Lee Johnson's about to pick up the win when Cody Rhodes comes out all disheveled trying to prove himself to Arn Anderson, saying that he wants another match with Malachi, as this match is occurring, providing just enough of a distraction for Hook to lock in the Taz mission to pass out Lee Johnson. Once again, causing further dissension in the Nightmare family. And with that, Hook advances in the B block, where he could potentially face potentially powerhouse Hobbs in the semi-finals. He could potentially face Brian Pillman Jr. or Austin Gunn in the quarterfinals. Who really knows in this tournament? But we'll find out very soon as next week we get on AEW Dynamite, it is Brian Pillman Jr. versus Austin Gunn. Brian Pillman's still a little disheveled over the fact that his closest friend Griff Garrison has been put on the sidelines, he's effectively been written off as Julia Hart attempts to comfort Brian Pillman Jr. As he has to go it alone in this tournament. Brian Pillman Jr. goes in. We get a very brief, like, promo package with Jim Ross, who talks about the whole situation. Brian Pillman's connection to Brian Pillman, his father, and his connection to the Hart Foundation. Basically saying that his goal to win this tournament is to once again live up to his father's legacy 
and appropriately be the very first and rightful King of Hearts in AEW. So in this, it is Brian Pillman Jr. versus Austin Gunn, accompanied by Colton Gunn and Billy Gunn. They're very surprisingly cool synthwave track. It's it's the best thing about their group. I don't like the Gun Club, but it's the best thing about their group. And with it, we get once again another competitive match, highlighting them and mostly kind of telling the story of Brian Pillman Jr. without Griff Garrison, finding it very difficult to overcome the distractions and the odds of the Gun Club, who have only gotten more and more vicious since their devastating heel turn against Paul White. This continues on until, as it looks like Austin Gunn is about to cheat to win, we get a very classic wheel! Where Paul White comes in to essentially clear house of all the interference of the Gun Club, costing Austin Gunn the match, providing just enough of a prevention of distraction to give Brian Pillman Jr. the chance to hit his flying blind clothesline for the one, two, three. Brian Pillman advances and he gets to face Hook in the quarterfinals during the next part of this booking. With that, we get a brief little promo saying that he is coming for Daniel Garcia. Keep that wheel spinning. So, the next match going in the A block that we have, it is five versus Fuego Del Sol in what can only really be described as a flippy S-word match. But with just a little bit more substance because Fuego and Five, you know, they are, for a lack of a better term, close friends on the vlog. You put that over in like separate video packages building up to the match. It doesn't have to be too long. I'm thinking just like a minute or two. They've got the Road 2 stuff. You know what I mean. And it's pretty much a down-to-the-wire, 15-minute, guns a-blazing. Because Five, I think, is the most underrated member of the Dark Order. He, he's why he's in this tournament. I did not know that Five is 23. And you consider the stuff he's done. I admit he isn't, like, seen as a top prospect like a Wheeler Yuta or a Daniel Garcia, but look at the guys that Five's been in the ring with since he's been with AEW. He had the early match with Kenny, he's had a bunch of stuff with the Dark Order which has only helped his character work, and he's been putting on some like, sleeper hit matches on AEW Dark and AEW Dark and Elevation. They are like, really sleeper matches. I encourage some of you to like, go back and watch some of Five's matches. He is really good. And I feel like putting him in there with Fuego Del Sol, a guy whose whole story has been overcoming the odds and fighting, you know, upwards just to try and even get a contract in AEW. This could be a great little competitive match for the pair where it tells the story of how, you know, when you're put in like a higher profile position, you're going to be put, put in situations like this where it's down to the wire competitive and only with 15 minutes left. You can't really do much, which ultimately culminates to the final two minutes of this match, where it looks like Five hits this beautiful Spanish fly. One, two, Fuego barely kicks out. We start to get to the final 30 seconds of the match, where Five, in an active impatience, goes for a high-flying move that just does not connect. It, the pressure 
overtakes five and Fuego manages to hit a tornado DDT for the win. The commentators put over how Fuego has more high pressure experience than five and that's the only reason he beat five on this night. They put over on any other night, five could have won. We have a very nice respectful handshake wishing them good luck as Fuego advances in the tournament as your potential underdog of the story. And with that, we move on to the very next block. Not the very next block, you know what I mean. The very next round of matches. Uh, Wheelie Utah, Mark Quinn. Uh, not much of a big match, kind of just continuing the HFO best friend story. You know how, like, there's little skits on BTE where Wheelie Utah is being taught by Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. Maybe you get some of that stuff to pay off. It's a very short match, just kind of there to showcase Wheelie Utah and maybe even turn private party face. I really miss them as a face team. And Wheeler Yuta wins. It's not much of a big thing. It's just a person to add into the tournament to just kind of, you know, highlight some people that AEW wants to feature. So Wheeler Yuta will go take on Daniel Garcia in the next round in Block A, which by the way, should be really flipping exciting. If you've seen some of their independent work, go watch their match. It's really good. So with that, we have the final few block matches with that. We've nearly covered everybody in the A block, aside from a couple things. Uh, the second from third final match in the B block, we have ourselves Lee Moriarty versus Isaiah Cassidy. Kind of the same thing. Feature a newly signed talent in Lee Moriarty. Lee Moriarty picks up the win, just with very cool technical wrestling. And we get to the kind of paralleled final couple matches in this round we have Nick Camaroto versus a lovely little man named Dante Martin just more to get him on television and showcase his skills because he's really good and obviously Dante Martin wins it's just going to be something to really highlight his high flying ability a great little feature where he's considered one of the favorites to win the tournament because well, he's had some incredible showings as of recently, kind of showing all the hard work has paid off. And whilst like Darius has been recovering, he has been putting on some classic matches in an attempt to, you know, keep their team alive. His whole motivation is that if he wins the King of Hearts tournament, he can finally show that all the bets that were put on him at such a young age were worth it because he will carry, <laughs> he will carry AEW to far beyond the skies, to space, and the galaxy, and beyond. Kind of a cheesy promo. I couldn't think of much for Dante Martin. So with that, Dante Martin advances. He'll be facing Fuego Del Sol in the quarterfinals. Now we have the final B-block match. And this is where another important character comes into play. It's Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ten. So, some of you might be wondering, if you were checking your ages on Wikipedia, why would I put Powerhouse Hobbs in this tournament? So for some of you who may not know, Powerhouse Hobbs, at the time that I planned to book this, would be 31 years old. Just a year shy of being in this tournament. Well, when the tournament was announced and he was featured in it, so we're saying roughly like January 7th, 2022. Powerhouse Hobbs would be 30. So he would barely make this tournament. So the story of Powerhouse Hobbs in this tournament 
when he's facing a big guy like Ten is that powerhouse Hobbs has to overcome all these super young guys when he feels like, you know, life has kind of passed him by. He worked really hard to get into AEW. He's had some of these big matches, but he is mostly winning this to finally get a shot at a major title. He's been in the top five multiple times in AEW, but he's just never quite got the recognition that he feels, or Team Taz feels, that he deserves. So he has a big Haas match with 10, the big back and forth where Hobbs eventually hits the spine buster with just his last inch efforts to pick up the win. Because while 10 may have another chance at this tournament, powerhouse Hobbs, he won't. So that is the end of the first round of the King of Hearts tournament. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to a very tumultuous point. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it is the quarterfinals of the tournament! So, updating the brackets, we have in Block A's quarterfinals, Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta, Fuego Del Sol versus Dante Martin, and in Block B, Hook versus Brian Pillman Jr., Powerhouse Hobbs versus Lee Moriarty, who will win the power of Daniel Garcia's deceitful and devastating sharpshooter, the flying powers of flying Brian Pillman Jr., the tenacity of Fuego Del Sol, the unforgiving high-flying offense of Dante Martin, the ever-so-technical and best friend's friend, Wheeler Utah, your new powerhouse, Hobbs, or even Hook. Hook could win this, guys. Hook. Hook, line, and sinker. He's the future, right? That's all that we have to guess on, and I'm continuing to use that sound. So our very first match in this tournament, we have in the quarterfinals, Brian Pillman Jr. versus Hook. Right before Brian Pillman Jr., you know, enters for his match. So a little change of the presentation here now that we're getting into the further ends of the tournament. Each competitor who's got this far now has a highlighted video package to put them over from their previous bout. In this case, it's Brian Pillman Jr. having the courage to do this without Griff Garrison or Julia Hart by his side. Uh, Hook trying to, you know, I'm going to say in practice suplexing people, say like a powerhouse Hobbs to show his strength. Uh, you know, Lee Johnson in his match. Hook kind of being the silent but deadly type, you know, to still keep the mystery that I think is kind of the appeal of Hook at this point. And so we get these, like, a la NXT TakeOver style entrances for this stuff. So I'm talking the, you know when they used to have the big main events where you would see them as they're ready to, like, enter through the curtain? You know, we're just, like, outside it as, like, before their music hits? We get that twice. We first get it for, like, Hook, you know, being accompanied by Taz and Powerhouse Hobbs as they're, like, patting him down to say, you got this, buddy. You got this, son. Hook coming out looking like a vicious animal creature as raised by the Tasmanian devil that is Taz. We get Brian Pillman Jr. going out on his own with a 
kind of a, I'd say a Heart Family tribute jacket. I'm thinking something that has some of the similar elements to the Heart Foundation. I think that'd be pretty cool. And as he's about to do that, we get a cheeky little stare down between Pillman and Garcia, where Pillman doesn't really say anything and Garcia, he just grins. He just grins there. And he spits in Pillman's face, saying, I'll see you in the finals. And Pillman just walks off. And he goes on to face Hook in a surprisingly competitive match for people who have never seen Hook before. Hook taking most of the offense at the beginning, really applying a lot of rest holds and locks and submissions to really try and drain the enemy energy of Brian Pillman, who people highlight on commentary had arguably been drained because of the three-on-one assault by the gun club. That was kind of their tactic to get in. Brian Pillman they put over as being kind of the only real loner in this tournament. Wheeler Utah has the best friends. Garcia has 2.0. Hobbs and Hook have Ricky Starks and Taz. Aside from Lee Moriarty, Brian Pillman is on his own and he can really feel it. Like he doesn't really see his tag team partner around because remember, Brian Pillman, for most of his career in AEW, has been a tag team wrestler. All those times where it feels like he can just go for attack, he just can't quite do it right now. So in this, we get it where Brian Pillman by hook or by crook, ironic because I just said hook, beats hook with his patented jumping clothesline for the one, two, three. Brian Pillman once again narrowly escapes defeat after having so much focus on the arm and legs of Brian Pillman. And just as he's about to recover, Powerhouse Hobbs comes in for a brief interference to beat up Brian Pillman in a potential build-up to their match that could happen in the semi-finals. Well, let's just say it now. We're going to say the Block B stuff is going to be finished right here because on the same night, Powerhouse Hobbs goes on to take on Lee Moriarty who tries to implement a similar strategy to Hook, but is unsuccessful. And whilst he is close to submitting Powerhouse, Powerhouse just says what his name does. Hits his pandit spinebuster, hits town business for the one, two, three. He poses with a much more injured and scuffed up Hook, prepping for the semi-finals next week, where he will be taking on Brian Pillman Jr., with that, we move on to the next week. Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Utah. A very type of similar thing where we get the buildup of Jim Ross kind of putting over his like own little view of Daniel Garcia, saying that he's so young yet so vicious. There is very few like him. The commentators put over how in one week he had taken on Minoru Suzuki and in the same week nearly defeated CM Punk. Despite what you'd say about him and his group 2.0, they are incredibly vicious and violent. In the inverse, we have Wheeler Yuta, someone from a similar background but being taken in by best friends. Jim Ross says that looks can be deceiving and that with his interview time with Wheeler Yuta, he can see that through all of the struggles that he has been having throughout all of these years, Surprisingly, some of the unorthodox tactics of best friends and Orange Cassidy have started to prove him dividends. And with such an unorthodox change of strategy, 
could put off Daniel Garcia. So in this, I'm expecting this match, in a hypothetical scenario, to be a sleeper hit of this tournament. I'm just saying. We have the narrative of Daniel Garcia and Brian Pillman throughout this, but this feels like the sleeper hit where you can really start to, you know, plant the seeds of a young potential rivalry, which I think could be, you know, a great basis for the Owen Hart tournament. Having these new fresh rivalries come out in this tournament and then build to years down the line. That's kind of what I expect out of this match. A very close back and forth thing where it really could have gone either way, but because Daniel Garcia was just the better wrestler, outmaneuvering some of his potential roll-ups by Wheeler Utah to pick up the win, stealing the win, he is able to advance to the semi-finals of the King of Hearts tournament. And so we get to our very final match of the tournament, Fuego Del Sol versus Dante Martin. High Flyers going crazy should be the title of this match because <laughs> it, it's just that. It's basically a similar fight to Five and Fuego, except Dante Martin is even more of a freakish athlete than Five. <laughs> so this is just going to be your back and forth, high flying, flippy. You, anything you can do, I can do better. Fuego fights for his life in this match, but... He is unfortunately unable to compete with the new, unorthodox, young and talented Dante Martin who, after having an unsuccessful match against Alistair Black several weeks ago before the tournament began, has finally started to gain his footing. And with it, he dedicates the next win, he's hoping in the semi-finals, going to the finals, to his Hopefully, soon to be recovering brother Darius Martin as he heads into the semi-finals against Daniel Garcia. So, a quick little update here. Cue the music for this tournament talk! We have Brian Pillman Jr. taking on Powerhouse Hobbs and we have Daniel Garcia taking on Dante Martin. So, First and foremost, we have Daniel Garcia taking on Dante Martin in a clash of styles, which I think would be very cool for Garcia, just trying to focus the entire story of the match, because now we've got 30-minute time limits. We can really, you know, shove these matches down people's throats and how good these people are. So Daniel Garcia just purely focuses on isolating the legs of Dante Martin, 2.0 outside, you know, finally, after having such a dominant performance, starts to see Daniel Garcia being a little bit more vulnerable because Dante Martin just won't quit. You know, he goes for flying move after flying move, even when his leg is banged up. He's figuring out how to do high-flying crossbodies with just one foot, despite all the effort of Daniel Garcia to just clip the wings of Dante Martin resulting in 2.0 actually forcing their hands and causing a distraction for Dante Martin, leading to Daniel Garcia in a fleet of anger and frustration after doing 20 plus minutes of focusing on that body part, locking in the sharpshooter as Dante Martin clings, tries to cling to the rope and get there as Daniel Garcia pulls him off and properly does his, like, almost grapevine-like 
pullback of the sharpshooter. The commentator's putting over how it's even more vicious than Owen Hart's sharpshooter. It might be even the most vicious sharpshooter in all of professional wrestling as Dante Martin taps out. He couldn't do anything despite putting in such high-flying offense looking like he was so close to victory. You gotta put him over strong. And as that happens, Daniel Garcia, he gets up a little disheveled, a little shocked by how much effort he had to put in as 2.0 come in and attempt to assault Dante Martin as Daniel Garcia walks out preparing for the finals at Revolution. But it's in this moment because you know what? You gotta get the crowd to leave happy to an extent. We finally get the return of Darius Martin coming in to make the save for his brother facing off against 2.0, which could be a very fun buy-in match, you know, for Revolution coming up, because Darius Martin's meant to come back soon. Gives Dante something to do if you're not going to highlight him in like a TNT title position, where they could really start to flourish as one of the top baby faces of the AEW tag team division, springing them off into greater passages moving forwards. And so we reach the final semi-finals match, a banged up Brian Pillman Jr. after being softened up by Hook in the previous round against Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs also does not waste any time. The opening bell hits a spine buster on the back of Brian Pillman Jr. where it's literally a story of him fighting from underneath, trying to unlock what many could feel and have been begging for Brian Pillman to do, that loose cannon persona that is in his blood, where he is fighting for his life against impossible odds, and we see him in a almost like gutsy performance, almost egging on powerhouse Hobbs to just do a little bit more as he's being absolutely pulverized by him, and all the damage that has occurred throughout the weeks and weeks of this tournament, culminating in powerhouse Hobbs going for town business, only to be counted into a roll-up. One, two, three. The dream is over for Powerhouse Hobbs as Brian Pillman Jr. secures his spot in the finals, beaten, battered, and otherwise broken. Damaged legs and all, as he struggles to get to his feet, limping as Daniel Garcia and 2.0 come out to stare down his finals opponent. As we head into Revolution, who is gonna come out on top? Let's talk about it, people. Who wins the King of Hearts tournament? So with this timeline currently involved, we have currently got one more week to revolution, and one final round of the tournament arc! And so it has came down to this, Daniel Garcia versus Brian Pillman Jr. After spending weeks upon weeks fighting for their lives to eventually become the inaugural King of Hearts tournament champion, who will win? Brian Pillman Jr., the son of Brian Pillman a key member of the Hart Foundation and a member and piece 
of the Hart family legacy? Or will it be Daniel Garcia, your sharpshooter, potentially more devastating than that of the original holders? And having with him by his side 2.0, can they overcome the lonesome Brian Pillman Jr. without his buddies Griff Garrison and Julia Hart? Or will Brian Pillman with courage by his side and strength of a loose cannon overcome the odds? Time will tell. And so that is our final. Something that we have been begging for since the beginning of the tournament. Finally locking horns at Revolution. But before we get there, we get a very special sit-down interview with JR. Addressing both competitors side by side, staring at each other, locking horns once again. As Jim Ross asks questions to both of them, putting over their previous victories. Brian Pillman coming in with various bits of like, you know those like keto tapes and recovery tapes and ice? That he initially denies having used to help him recover, to prepare him for the finals. And Daniel Garcia immediately noticing it and giving a, you know, very cheeky grin saying that he will be the true king of hearts in this tournament because everything he has done he is fulfilled when everybody doubted him when they threw him to the wolves he came out stronger will that be the same for you pillman pillman puts over the technical ability of daniel garcia and what he's done throughout this tournament but he says that no matter what he does he will never quit because he has too much riding on this match. This is the biggest match of his life. And what better way to rise above the ranks after being humiliated by Maxwell Jacob Friedman. After always coming so close but not quite being enough for all of it to come to a head. Living up to and maintaining the Hart family legacy. That is is our AEW Revolution Finals of the King of Hearts Tournament. A key detail to this final is that we get to see the very first King of Hearts trophy being awarded by Owen Hart's widow and Bret Hart. It's a very beautiful thing. We see both of them come in with their respective entrances. And I know I've said it before because it's kind of cheesy and I've said it throughout this tournament it's a competitive match it is something that I think you could put as the opener of the show and have a very nice feel good moment you know really showcase your future of the company and with it I've said this before in old episodes but this one I think is especially true with the implications of this tournament being that the winner can challenge whoever they wished for a title opportunity when they want whenever they want you can go either way with this decision you could have daniel garcia win it being a kind of spiritual successor of the sharpshooter that bret hart and owen hart implemented but with his own vicious twist i think personally if he was to win the tournament he would go on and uh, cash in an opportunity a la like money in the bank on on Sammy Guevara. And you know what? I'd actually have him win the belt down the line. I feel like that would be a great little story that you could have told from, you know, his debut taking on some of the biggest dogs in the yard. 
And finally, after losing so many times to some of the main event talent of AEW, capturing a title of his own fruition that he earned through essentially crippling every young guy on the roster. Or, inversely, you can go with Brian Pillman. Because this is pretty much Brian Pillman's story. Everything writes itself here. The descendant or person of a Hart family legacy who is involved in the faction. A person who you tell the story of him overcoming the odds despite his partners being taken away from him, split away from the very beginning of the tournament. Having gone through so much hardship that you could see through like Dark Side of the Ring they could highlight. All of that little fun little tidbits. That could be a very fun thing and it would give... If you want a filler match, if hypothetically, Kenny or Hangman don't win the title, it would be a very fun, like, in-between special episode of Dynamite world title match. And I know that seems like a far-fetched thing. Nobody could believe at this point that Brian Pillman could win the title. That is completely fair for people to guess. But, this gives... In my mind, kind of what it did for Jungle Boy when he challenged for the world title. It elevated him up the card and showed that, you know, even though he's been losing a lot, which is kind of in the story of Jungle Boy, that he is destined for great things. And I think that's ultimately the goal of the King of Hearts tournament, regardless of who wins this tournament. Whether it's Brian Pillman for the better story or the potential storyline implications that you can have for Daniel Garcia and his entire career in AEW, which, if I'm not mistaken after listening to Evil Uno's blog, is signed with the company. That could be incredible. To have a yearly tournament where the end goal is you highlight a new young and up-and-coming star and you put them in a high-profile situation. The world title, the TNT title, the tag team titles. And you culminate it with either, in this case, for this first year, Brian Pillman overcoming the odds with his friend Griff Garrison coming out to stop the 2.0 interference and capturing the King of Hearts championship. Or, you have Daniel Garcia lock in, which would be a very cool visual considering it's the Owen Hart tournament, lock in a sharpshooter in the middle of the ring to capture the King of Hearts Tournament Championship, in which Owen Hart's main move was a sharpshooter, in which he was nicknamed The Rocket, which is very much a very apt description of Daniel Garcia's entire career in the company. I don't know about you guys, but I think regardless of what ending you choose and how you go with this tournament going forward, it's a great way to highlight the influx of AEW talent who seems to be coming in by the month. And for me, on a pay-per-view ironically called Revolution, having a yearly King of Hearts tournament that culminates there really shows a revolution in professional wrestling to push and establish young and rising talent. And that's how I would book the King of Hearts, or otherwise colloquially known as the Owen Hart Tournament.
Lawler returned to form. I, I, that's that was a very difficult tournament to book, but I'm glad how it turned out overall. I feel like that was just a, a very fun little thing to come back to. Thank you all if you ended up getting this far. Thank you all so much for listening, and I especially wanna I wanna thank everybody who sent out just like thank you mess not thank you messages. No, <laughs> it wasn't thank you messages. I just want to give a thank you to everybody who showed their support for me taking a break over the past couple weeks. It was, it, it was really nice. It was really like overwhelming for me because I thought, uh, so I always kind of thought that I always needed to make something weekly, and I was afraid of really burning out. And it was, it was really nice to hear all the lovely messages of people just saying, "Oh, that's fine, man. I hope you feel better." It was great. So I won't shout out everyone, but. You know who you are if you sent them. Thank you so much for doing that. It really brightened up my day, <laughs> legitimately, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, it gave me plenty of time to rewind and relax, do a bunch of stuff that I've always wanted to do, and it, it gave me some more potential ideas for booking in the future, which, you know what, I may as well, as I'm here, tease the next episode of Wrestling With Fiction because uh, I already got it planned and I'm very excited because this extra time has given me more time to plan and figure of ideas. So I will say this, I don't want to give it away, but the next wrestler that I will be covering, I've mentioned in this episode. So if you have any guesses, uh, please tweet me at Connor the Cooper on Twitter uh, maybe even tell me on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction, or even tell me on TikTok. And if you get it right, I'll shout you out on the next episode, because uh, I'm probably going to be making a teaser for next Thursday. So that is kind of the end of this episode. Did you think that this booking was good? Was it bad? Would you have booked it differently? Please tell me on insert social media platforms that I have just mentioned. You've just heard them. At Twitter, Connor the Cooper, Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction, TikTok at Wrestling With Fiction. If you like this episode, please consider giving it a subscribe on YouTube, maybe even subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Leave a review. That helps out a bunch. It helps out me and helps out a ton of amazing podcast creators out there. So if you've got a spare moment and you've got time, please consider leaving a review. It helps out a lot. And once again, thank you all so much for listening. And I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Good night, everybody.